for me, living the life the way I want it and doing things that I want to do is more important than keeping up with the other things that are nice and they, they're pleasurable. But for me, this was a bigger pleasure. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau, the podcast for corporate refugees who want to do more of what they love and get paid what they're worth. I'm David Schreiner-Khan, your guide and community builder. Smashing the Plateau is more than just a podcast. We're a community of like-minded consultants who are committed to supporting one another on our business journey. Before we start, I'd like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. Struggling with achieving your business goals and navigating through challenges can be overwhelming, but here's a solution. Visit smashingtheplateau.com goals to book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me. This one-on-one session offers a unique opportunity for you to gain clarity on your business aspirations, identify roadblocks hindering your progress, and outline practical steps toward achieving your goals. It's personalized, focused, and designed to equip you with the insights to drive your business forward. It's a limited time offer, so seize the moment. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash goals. Today, we're thrilled to have Namita Purahit with us. Namita is a brilliant mind who transitioned from a secure job at Microsoft to launch her own entrepreneurial journey, ignited by her firm belief in Eastern wisdom. In our conversation, Namita shares her unique insights on decision-making, the importance of inner resourcefulness, and the role of community in our personal and professional development. She also shares her exciting journey of defining her own freedom and living a life aligned with her deep-rooted beliefs. It's an episode packed with profound wisdom and inspiring stories that you won't want to miss. Now let's welcome Namita Purohit. Namita, an engaging coach and trainer, has left a profound impact on individuals worldwide, focusing on emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and inner balance. Featured as an expert on emotional intelligence and inner stability on King 5 TV in the USA, she also hosted a live coaching show on Hare Krishna TV for two years. Having worked with top corporations like Amazon, Microsoft, and Starbucks, Namita's workshops and coaching have touched thousands. She's the founder of the Ease Coach Certification School and Ease Self Mastery Academy. With a holistic approach blending psychotherapy and Eastern practices, she brings sustainable change to her clients. Namita, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. A pleasure to be here with you. Uh, So as I mentioned in the introduction, your career started as an engineer, and now you're a coach and trainer. How did that happen? Yeah. When I was an engineer, I I was happy. I was doing well. I was getting rewarded at work and things like that. It was nice. But I felt that, and I could see the impact that my software development work was doing in the lives of people. Yes, there was an impact and that was fulfilling. But I think I wanted to be more in the space of being with people and doing things directly with people, uh, not just through my code. I wanted to see the impact in people's lives. And also, I had to learn a lot of these things that I teach now. I had to learn a lot of those things for myself so that I could be emotionally balanced and I could feel happy in my life and uh, do well in whatever I was doing. And what I realized is, is that I was on this natural uh, search for myself. And, you know, then I got a lot of answers from spirituality 
a lot of answers from reading various books on you know psychology and everything. And then I decided that this is really like my calling and this is something that I really want to do. So while I was working, then I started doing a lot of uh, service, like volunteer workshops, you know, for the temple community that I belong to in Seattle, in the Sammamish area. And I just loved doing it and it would just light up my day. And the more I taught, the more I learned and the more I practiced because it just helped me get better with my own emotional intelligence, my own inner balance, my own spirituality and personal excellence. And that's that's how it's, it, it went on. And then I realized that I have this life and um, you know I want to use it in a way that is of service to people. And also that makes me happy. I don't want to do something just because I know that a job would, you know, gives me a lot of stability. It gives me a lot of impact in a very different way. It gives me a network of people to connect to, very interesting, intelligent people that I could work with, etc. But I thought that I'll take the risk and I'll do what I really want to do and be happy. And and I didn't know exactly how everything's going to pan out, but and I still don't know exactly how the next five years are going to pan out. But yeah, that's how I just I'm just flowing right now. Namita, did you find that the the coaching and training used very different skills than you were trained in as an engineer or that you used in your engineering jobs? Yes and no. I think the whole engineering background actually helped me. I think it helps me be a better coach because you know you you understand software architecture, you understand how information is flowing, what input you know, you're giving to a system and that system has its character and then, you know, there's an output. Uh, so you understand behaviors, you understand functions, you understand procedures, you understand all those functions and things that you call call on as a coder. And I used to be a developer and test. So all that mapping, I think, helped me really understand the, the workings of the brain and how our inhibitions and how our beliefs contribute to, you know, even if the same people are getting the same input, but, you know, because the system of beliefs is so different, everyone's throwing out a different output. So I think that helped me a lot, but where I needed to work more on, it is engineering, but it's not engineering. So it's a lot of inner engineering that you're doing, but you're still dealing with, you're still dealing with a lot of feelings, a lot of fears, a lot of, uh, which I can't just code and like, you know, run a, run a test run and like, you know, resolve a bug. Yes. Finally, it's updating, right? Like, I find that when I have clients from tech, it's easier to coach them. Interesting. Because they understand software updates. They don't get embarrassed by, you know, somebody pointing a finger at their code and saying that, hey, this needs to be fixed. There's a bug over here. And when I was starting out as an engineer and I had to go and in test and I had to go and tell this developer who's been developing for the last 25 years that, hey, I found a bug and, you know, we need to fix this here. And his reaction, I learned so much from. I was this young 23-year-old engineer and he goes like, Oh, really? Yeah, tell me where it is. And like, oh, let me fix it. And he fixes it, right? There was no ego involved around, you know, that, oh, I need to fix this. And this is so embarrassing. I made a mess. And I think engineers carry that as clients too. They they see that as software updates, et cetera. But we, we miss out on some of those uh, softer skills because we can't control people or control ourselves the way we can do, do with software and technology and things. So I think some of the whole... Uh, uh, emotional intelligence stuff, I think we lack. And I had to develop that skill for myself, uh, get better at it in understanding my own self, my own emotions, and that I am a software system, but at the same time, my bugs cannot be fixed as fast as they could be fixed to the software system. It takes time and it takes a few test runs and, you know, and it's going to, and that's, that's how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who was trained and worked as an engineer before 
making a a pivot in my career and then becoming an entrepreneur later on. And and I spend a lot of time guiding other people now, just like you do. So I I find actually your analysis about the, the systems thinking really fascinating. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what I do too, but I, I'm not sure that I have ever been able to articulate it the way you just did. So thank you for that. Thank you, David. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about how Eastern wisdom plays a role in your work? Eastern wisdom, including Eastern wisdom in this work is uh, personally very important to me. Uh, If I, you know, without that, it's kind of meaningless for me. And when I say Eastern wisdom is definitely, I'm drawing from the deep spiritual culture we have in India. But when you study traditional uh, cultures across the world, you'll find that they have similar lines of thought, similar values. And um, when I'm working with my clients, it's not that I'm trying to convert them towards Eastern wisdom, but I'm trying to help them connect to their own deep culture that is kind of lost in, you know, in the technology world and the values that are getting lost, et cetera, right? So we do help them with Eastern wisdom. And then we also try to connect them to their own culture, which is uh, very significant across the world, like the traditional cultures that people are trying to go back to nowadays. When I'm coaching somebody, and like, why, why do I include Eastern wisdom and why it helped me in my life? is that we understand, and one of the major things we understand is is that I am not this body. I am not Namita Purohit, you know, in that sense. This is a body, and then Namita Purohit is the identity that is associated to this body, right? And this identity and this body and all the things connected to this body, whether it's the relationships, it's the achievements, it's, uh, you know, all that comes you know, with this body and the highs and the lows of life and the, uh, the difficulties of life and everything, it ends with this body. But I am not this body. I am not this identity. I have a more solid identity as a spirit soul that's eternal and that's untouched by a lot of these ups and downs and the successes and failures and all the dualities of life. And when we introduce that in our coaching, it gives that 30,000, 40,000 foot view to life. Where, as I've learned from my guru, is that we're having an eternal life. So this life is just one of the lives that we are we're going through. We've gone through many lifetimes in the past, and we will go through many lifetimes in the future. And that's what Bhagavad Gita says, that the soul is eternal. Now, you know, if you draw a line, and you draw a line from one part of the room to the other, a line is a collection of dots. That's what we've learned in school. We've learned in engineering. A line is a collection of dots. Now, this lifetime that, David, you're living and this lifetime that I'm living is one of those dots that we're so solidly zoomed into and we're so caught up with it. And we were probably caught up with, you know, the the five dots before this dot, five lifetimes before this one. And we considered everything important and we went up and down with it, but we remember nothing of it. So Eastern wisdom helps you swim in a deeper current that protects you from the highs and lows of the waves. And you're swimming in a deeper current that gives you a lot of uh, peace, a lot of equanimity, and it helps you see things very differently, your own life very differently. And it informs a lot of your decisions very differently. When Then you can be driven by what you want to do, how you want to contribute, how you want to serve in this life versus what am I, you know, the other things that people may be driven by. Right. So it, when you're facing what seems like a huge crisis, maybe it helps put things in perspective. And helps you recognize that it might seem like a huge crisis right now to you, but there's a bigger picture. And maybe let's take a step back and and uh, maybe 
there are different ways to solve it. Yes, and you're not the crisis. You know, sometimes the crisis is loss of reputation. Sometimes the crisis is loss of relationships, loss of wealth. And we associate all of that with our identity in this world. And, you know, we need an identity to function. But when you are in that situation, it Eastern wisdom helps you see that, okay, these things are happening to this identity that we have in this material world. But at the same time, I am different from this. So instead of acting, I mean, instead of reacting from the place of, oh my God, I'm losing everything, uh, you know, uh, which is the material identity that we're connected to, Eastern wisdom helps you react from a place of, I see all of this happening. It's happening to my identity. It's not happening to me. What is the lesson that I need to learn here to help me in my eternal journey, eternal future journey? So your whole perspective and how you do things changes. But of course, in my coaching, it's not that we're, you know, different people are in different uh, states. And and if somebody's in a crisis or they're at a crossroads, we're not talking about, you know, take a step back and zoom out and you're not this identity. Because at that time, that's immediate. That's pressing for them. And that's, uh, you know, that's affecting them. It's important to help them deal with their emotions in the moment. It's helped them to deal, resolve those needs and feelings and, you know, help them come to clear connection with their values and help them take the step that they need to. And when their needs are met, then gradually they, they become more open to learning from the Eastern wisdom part of it. But if I try to push the Eastern wisdom when they're in a crisis, no, it's not going to work. Yeah, it reminds me of, you know, when, when you have a um, sudden physical impairment and you would benefit by doing things like losing weight, exercising, which are all, all have long-term benefits, but they're not quick to resolve something. You've got to get out of the crisis first, whatever kind of pain you're in, you've got to get out of that crisis before you can get onto a, a regimen that's going to make your life healthier. Well said. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. That's what it is. Namita, I want to go back to what something you said earlier, where you said you'll take the risk and do what you need to do. What was the trigger point when you decided it's time to do this as a business and, and leave my job? My freedom is very important to me, David freedom of what I do in my life. While I loved uh, the challenges that we solved at Microsoft and the very sharp and intelligent people I was surrounded by, I, I didn't feel free. And for me, my freedom is very important. So I used to go, like, I was reading a lot. Like, I used to take the bus to work. And the bus ride was a good 45 minutes because I didn't want to drive. And I, I like being on the bus where I don't have to do anything and it would just help me get, you know, get centered because, you know, I'm like packing my, you know, cooking and then packing my lunch and, you know, doing all of that at home and running and then, you know, my spiritual practices. And then I to suddenly drive and then reach work. So I needed that bus to drive would just help me calm myself down. So I would do a lot of my reading on the bus for 45 minutes each way. And I loved it. It was a nice scenic drive through the evergreen forests in Seattle. And I was reading scripture, David, a lot of scripture in the bus. And then I was thinking that if this is what I need to do, this is what life is like explained here, then why am I putting my time in this job? You know, if this is what it is. So, and I, I tried, I said that I don't want to jump to things and then feel bad about like, I'm not a jumpy person when it comes to decision-making, like these kind of things. I'm very quick in business with certain decisions. I take a long time to really feel, you know, what's happening inside of me. Every day I went to work, I was like, why am I here? I wasn't very fascinated. 
But I did my job. I got my promotions. I did well. I got awarded, as I said earlier. And after one and a half to two years of feeling that every single day, I just decided to quit. And I told my manager that, you know, I want to quit. And he's like, why don't you wait a month? Because we're going to have layoffs. And uh, if you're in the layoff list, you get three months or I don't know how many months of severance pay because they were laying off like 5,000, 10,000 people across Microsoft. And I'm sure I, you know, I could have been in that list too. Then I was like, no, I can't tolerate this another month. I can't. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out low cost ways to live. I'll figure out, you know, I'm not going to become a slave of, you know, oh, I need to support this lifestyle. I need to do this and I need to keep up with things. To, and, and that's why I have a job. For me, the focus is I want to do what I want to do. I'll figure out the rest. And at that time, Microsoft had that policy that if I would go back to them in a year's time, they would take the candidate, not just me, but that was their policy for all employees. They would take us back in without interviewing. So I had that backup. And then after I quit and I would drive by Microsoft campus and it's nice, it's very beautiful, but I would feel this energy in my stomach, which was not very comfortable. And I would just, I, I just loved what I was doing so much. I was just so happy. Uh, first of all, I have to say for, for your manager to, uh, to give you that uh, insight and suggest that you might wait because it would be more financially comfortable for you is uh, commendable. Not, not every manager would do that really speaks to the relationship that your manager had with you. And secondly, I'd love to hear what advice you might have for a similar mid-career professional about understanding their decision-making process. Because it sounds like you were very clear on how you make decisions and how your decision-making process impacts what you do, how you do it, when you do it. So clearly you're very tuned into that decision-making process. But I wonder what, what advice do you have for others about how to become kind of more tuned into their own decision-making process and how that may affect the outcomes for their next steps. So we want to be brave, but we don't want to be stupid. I knew I had the finances to support myself and I knew I could figure things out. And I knew for me, I had the clarity that it's not like I have to live in this area where I am living right now. It's not like I have to drive that car and it's not like I have to, like for me, living the life the way I want it and doing things that I want to do is more important than keeping up with the other things that, that are nice and they, they're pleasurable. But for me, this was a bigger pleasure. So the decision-making, when someone is making the switch, it requires some confidence. And the confidence is not going to come from predictability. You can't predict anything. And another thing that Eastern wisdom says, the Bhagavad Gita says, is that this world is a shashwatam. It's uh, impermanent. You know, everything is changing all the time. So confidence cannot come from predictability. Confidence can come from, you know, resting in your own self and knowing that if these ten situations happen, which will happen, I can figure it out. I mean, so the resources are not from the outside. It's more like cultivating your own inner resourcefulness to be able to handle even your own emotions. I'm not saying that it was, I was just so happy after I quit. Yeah, I didn't miss my working life at all. But as you were mentioning in another of our chats, you know, to have the full calendar, to know what I'm going to do today, to have a full meeting calendar and to, you know, as the corporate structure defines a lot of that. And it's it can be a challenge to be structured on your own. But but to rely on your own resourcefulness that, yes, I know these situations are going to happen. And yes, I know it's not going to be rosy. 
But what I want to do is so important that I have the confidence in my own inner resourcefulness to be able to handle those things. The second thing I'd like to say there is also that being very clear about what you want. I'm not saying that I, you know, everyone can follow my path and my decision making, right? Like everyone wants different things and without judgment, accepting truly what you want and what you need, you know, what's important for you, right? For me, those things were not so important. But for somebody else, they may be important. And to honor that within yourself as you're making that decision, you know, to follow another's path is, you know, is dangerous, right? So you have to honor what you truly need in your life, what your family needs in your life. You know, I may be a risk taker, but my family may not like it. And then how do I balance everything? So so honoring all of that and making that holistic uh, decision is also important. So you have two things here, inner resourcefulness and honoring what your needs are. Wow. That's uh, so profound, Amita. Last question I want to ask you is um, about your experience as a community member and or leader. So you, you know, you've touched on ways that you've been involved in, in community as part of your own transition and part of your work. Um, you and I also got connected in a membership community that we're both part of. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about what community means to you and how it's, how it's benefited you. I mean, we need community at different levels when we are as human beings, whether you're working or, you know, you're, you know, in a job or you're a solopreneur, but when you're in a job, you get a sense of belonging and you get a sense of community in your workplace and you have, uh, you know, peers to discuss problems with, uh, discuss solutions with, you have senior leaders, you know, you can reach out. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of things happening, but when you step out of that world, you're on your own and that can be tough. Because your inner resourcefulness is also going to come from the people you're going to, you're connected with, right? So finding those encouragers, and I didn't have a process for it. Uh, in another chat, David, you, you know, you laid it out really well, but I didn't have that process for it. I was talking to people I used to talk to during my working life, right? during my job life, but then talking to the same people didn't help me when I become, you know, try, decided to go solo and do my own thing because they had a very different mindset and approach because they were working for corporate and I, it would be very discouraging and demotivating to actually be with them. Not that because they wanted to demotivate me, but I think they were being protective. And uh, it was like, no, you have this cushy job. You need to be around here. You know, what about your insurance? What about this? What about that? Right. But then, so my spiritual mentor in uh, Seattle was also a business owner. Uncle Harry, and he has his products all around the U.S. and Whole Foods, Uncle Harry's products, Armenian Christian, but born and raised in the U.S. And he's like my dad's age. And I would get a lot of support from him, you know, in his guidance. So even if it wasn't the same business, you know, he's in a product business with health foods and health products, and I'm doing something online and coaching and training and online courses. So what I, what I learned is that it's not important, like these mentors that we have, they don't have to know exactly how to run your business, but just the years of business experience is going to, you know, they're going to be able to help you so much. And I had, I have three mentors, like my own father, who guides me a lot because he's been a business owner for the last uh, 55, 60 years. And uh, Uncle Harry, and then I found a SCORE mentor that they provide, you know, the US, you could go to SCORE.org and then you could sign up for a mentor match. And I found uh, Tammy. Pam, who's really good. She's been a business owner for 25 years. She's also had the job experience. And then I, and then I was like, yeah, but I can't keep 
calling them up and discussing each and everything with them. And I need people who are fellow business owners. And I was just so desperate trying to find a community. I was in a lot of technology communities because, you know, all these software products, you need community even for that. As you're trying to solve, like as a solopreneur, to set up my website, set up my online courses and solve all of these things. So part, being part of these online communities helped me. And then I said, no, I really need a business owner community. And somebody recommended I should check out SPI Pro. And that's where I did. And now for the last 15 months, I have been with all of you. It's not like I'm able to, I try to make most meetings, but I have been missing in action for the last two months. But it just is a place where I know that the struggles I have are not my own struggles and, you know, everyone else, you know, has the same issues. It just helps get a lot of perspective on what we're doing, helps you get a lot of courage. And I think community is very important as a business owner. And when I talk to Uncle Harry and I talk to my father and I talk to Tammy and then I tell them about the communities I'm part of and they're like, we didn't have all of that when we were, we were starting out. Why do you need all of that? Just, you need to be strong and you need to be stoic and do it. But I'm like, no, I need all of that. I'm not that strong. And they probably had a different way to do things, but, but they also say it's a big blessing to have this community. And, and I love it. Yeah, it certainly is a blessing. Namita, we've covered a lot of territory in a short amount of time. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today that you've shared, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, they can go to my website, uh, namitapurohit.com. We have many different things happening over there, but we specifically focus on life coaching and exit coaching because we do different things. And I coach along with my team, Team Ease Coaches. So our brand is Ease Emotional Awareness, Spirituality, and Excellence. And they could just go to my website and find out about our programs and reach out to us. Or, or they could write to us at connect at namitapurohit.com. Namita, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. My guest has been Namita Purohit. Thank you, Namita, for joining us. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for having me. Remember, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean going it alone. Our community is here to support you, inspire you, and walk with you on your journey. Don't forget to visit smashingtheplateau.com slash goals and book your free 30-minute goal coaching session with me, David Schreiner-Khan. It's an opportunity to gain clarity, identify obstacles, and create a solid action plan toward achieving your business aspirations. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash goals. Join us next time for more wisdom from industry leaders. Until then, keep striving, keep believing, and keep smashing. Smashing.